listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. Here in, in 1 Corinthians 16, we're going to look at two verses today. We're going to begin by reading these verses. They're easy, uh, easy to read, even better verses to memorize, and even more powerfully if we take and apply these truths to our lives. And it says in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 16, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. May those words have a great impact in our lives, in our families, in our workplaces, in our city, in our nation, in our world, as we uh, just even take a look at God's word here today. I think we can all agree rather quickly and rather easily that the world that we live in is, ver- is chaotic and is insane, morally, ethically, spiritually. We just even see chaos in, in natural disasters and different things. We see the massacre in, in Vegas a number of weeks ago that killed and injured so many people. Now, that same time, the attack on Edmonton police officer and subsequent a U-Haul truck rampage where four people were, were run down and injured. And you just kind of think, what is going on? It's one thing there, but another thing here in Western Canada. We see growing tensions in the news in our world between the U.S. and North Korea, and, and a, a very real fear of, of a possible nuclear war possibly happening if just the right things or the wrong things happen and take place. We see terrorism and political unrest, and then we see these natural disasters that, that we are seeing, whether it be earthquakes or, or, or the hurricanes or now the wildfires in California ca- causing billions of dollars of damage. More than that, even more importantly, the loss of many lives, and, and we just see this kind of just this world is spinning out of control and then we live in this society that just seems so upside down um, in, in our own area here in Canada in Western Canada we see extreme materialism and, 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 and just consumerism and, and an entitlement attitude and, and, and then in our own land we hear so much about the redefinition of, of marriage and gender issues and, and gender confusion and then this week to top it off I heard that how they're wanting to push for gender neutral passports so that you don't even even have to declare a gender on your passport. And I'm just thinking, you're, you've got to be kidding me. And, and then locally, we're seeing different things going on. A murder in our city this past week. And, 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 and then we also see just an ever-increasing uh, homeless rate taking place here in the Okanagan, not just in Kelowna, but in all the Okanagan region. And then we also see the, the, the drug overdoses in British Columbia and here again in the Kelowna area already by the end of, end of August, already surpassed um, last year's totals. I believe for BC, it's already a thousand people have died from drug overdoses in our own city, Kelowna, Local, just Kelowna, not even the Okanagan, 60 people as of the end of August, and it was 47 by that time last year, and so we just see this increase, and it doesn't seem like no matter what they do, there's no end in sight. We just see that we are an addicted culture. We think that we need to have these things to get through our lives, whether that be materialistic things, whether that be drugs, or whether that even be wine or alcohol, that it's wine o'clock all the time, you know, and, and, and we become dependent on these kind of things. And then again, you just shake 
shake your head when you hear in the news just recently about a, a pastor from Surrey, he and his wife being charged with 28 sexual assault charges involving people from their congregation, and you just think, no, 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 this cannot be. And then you read a, a few weeks ago, even something then, as, as you just see this, this kind of slide and this trend kind of going on in our world and in our churches, a growing t- trend, and, and this was an article, you can see just a, a few highlights of it, a growing trend in churches called polyamory. And polyamory is, is where a married couple takes and opens up their marriage to other relationships. And, and they use arguments from scripture and, 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 and from Christian theology to back this, this kind of sexual sin and perversion. And so are you encouraged today? Should we just end right now and just say amen and, and the service is over? No, we have to look to, God, to, to God's word and we have to see there is hope in the midst of this chaos and to see what is going on and, and, and know that God's word has an answer. But what are we to do in the midst of this? What are we to do? Do we just simply just take and run for, run for cover, go into a nice little Christian, uh, comfortable little bubble of our own, kind of take care of myself and those around me, you know, me, myself, and I, and my family, and, and, and just hope and pray for the best? Um, Do we just ride it out in despair or can we walk in confidence, in courage, in victory because of not who we are but because of who God is? We can stand strong. We can live strong lives in the midst of a chaotic world. I read a quote this past week, however, and I believe, folks, so much of the onus is on us. We think we're leaving it up to Justin Trudeau to straighten up Canada. Yeah, that's not going to happen. We, we think, well, if we just elect someone else, that's going to... No, it's not. It's not going to happen through political leadership. It's not going to happen through economic reform or whatever it might be. Folks, the hope is Jesus Christ. And the hope is Jesus Christ. And he is the one that can turn societies and turn cultures and countries upside down. He's done it. There's areas in our world where he is in, it, greatly at work. But we see here in North America that, that we're living the result of it, of, of, of a slide in our society. And you know who's, who, who's responsible for that? We can blame others. We can blame evil. We can b- blame all of that. But we see that the church of Jesus Christ has lost its light. It's lost its lamp. That we as Christians have, are hiding the light of Jesus Christ. And, and, and we're consumed with just our own lives. Or even trying to look so much like the world. And at a conference this past week about the state of the church in North America. Someone by the name of James Ward said this. He says, the nation is the church's report card. The nation is the church's report card. We're failing. If that indeed is the case, we're failing. We have a big F. I was used to getting those in high school. A lot of you weren't. But, you know, it's not good to get an F. We're failing in this area. When the church, and then he went on to say, when the church stops pursuing the kingdom of God first and starts pursuing the American dream, we all experience the American nightmare. And we're living that and we're seeing that. Just change that to Canada when we're pursuing the Canadian dream. And we're not living out the lives that God has called us to live. We're not living our lives even thinking very much on a daily or weekly basis of living out the Great Commission, on living for the glory of God. We're looking for the glory of our, of our finances or our companies or the work that we're doing and not the glory of God. We march to at the beat of a different drum. We have a different commander-in-chief than the almighty dollar or what social media or, or, or what others think about us. It's what God knows about us. And that is of utmost importance. So what do we do? Rather than just ignoring and giving up 
God's word calls us to action. God's word calls us to model and to live out an authentic Christ-like life and faith where, we are, where our feet are firmly planted in the word of God and to move ahead in courage and in God's strength. We are to be strong. We are to take back the ground that the enemy has already taken and take that back. But we don't do it in our power and in our strength. And it's understanding, though. It starts with an understanding that, first of all, we've been called. We've been commissioned to go into our world. It's an understanding that our God is willing that no one should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's understanding that God has equipped us. He's equipped you. He's equipped us as a church to accomplish this here in this city, in your neighborhood, in our families, in this region. And as the church works and strives together, that's why I'd be praying for Vertical Church Conference. Pray for revival. Pray for God to show up. And as people come back, as, as the dozen or so people from our church that, that come back, that, that God will have just ignited and has just does a great work in their lives. And, 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 and they're an encouragement and a challenge to, to, to each one of us. Uh, to keep on going and, 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 and to be united in the mission that we are called to be a part of. It's understanding God has equipped us and he empowers us to be able to stay strong, stay sane in an insane world. There is hope. And it's not from yourself. It's not from just trying harder. And it's not just from running and taking cover. It's to take what we've been learning in our small group time this week from Titus chapter 2. And in, in Titus chapter 2 verses 1 to 10, we see that as we love, as we care for, as we mentor, as old mentors the young, as young are in relationship with older, older men, younger men, younger women, older women, and are together in community, mentoring, loving, learning, challenging one another in the way that is described in God's word. And, and then also we're, we're, we're holding one another accountable when it comes to the work that we do for our employer, for those that are over, over us. And, and the end result of that in verse 10 it says that this kind of a life, as we're pursuing the life in community and the life that God calls us to be a part of within the body of Christ, within the church, as we are being changed and transformed by the power of God, as we are walking with one another and, and caring for one another and growing stronger together and the older are training the young and, and, and the young are encouraging the older, we end up seeing the end result. Love this in verse 10. It says the end result is that those on the outside, those in the world, those neighbors, those friends, those family who don't know Christ will see what Christ has done, see the changes in our lives. This is a process that's going to take time, but they see what's going on in our lives. We see, they see that our motivations change, that we are for Jesus and not for money. We are for Jesus and, and for the lost people and for caring and, and serving one another rather than caring and serving ourselves. And, and the end result of this, I love this, that, that, that they would come to know and adorn not just know, oh, he got religion. Oh, he has some faith. Oh, he go, no, they would come to know and adorn our God and the word of God. That it would become a part of their lives. And so today we're going to look at these two verses from 1 Corinthians 16. As they, 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 they show us, they tell us, it declares, Paul declares to us, as he is under the influence of the Holy Spirit, as he writes this, how we can stay sane and strong and have an impact on the world how the church can impact the world, how you and I can impact a chaotic world and one that looks like it's going insane. 
In chapter 16, Paul is kind of winding down his letter to the Corinthian church, and he's giving some final instructions, and we've been looking through some of those, and he's giving some personal greetings, and he goes on to do that even in the verses following this. But right here in verses 13 and 14, as he's just kind of writing and, 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 and penning this, it's all of a sudden like, ah! I, I gotta, again, it just comes to mind and he's concerned about the church and, and he's concerned about the influence of the world, of, of the culture and the life of the church. And so all of a sudden it's just like he, he stops writing and, 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 and kind of the train of thought where he's at and all of a sudden he declares these words, be watchful people, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. Now let's remember the context that Paul is writing here, this letter, in the midst of chaotic Corinth. Corinth was a wealthy city, a bustling city, economically strong, had people in it that could make money hand over fist, and it was filled with sensuality of the sick, sick, sick sexual perversion type. It was a city filled with that sort of busyness and activity. And sadly, the church was being influenced, was being fashioned by the, the world and the culture of the city of Corinth. And to all of the churches that, that Paul ends up writing to, there was none quite like the Corinthian church, none that was in quite the trouble as this church. None is sinful, none that had failed so badly. In fact, we have two letters to them, 29 verses in total of like, come on people, let's go, come on, of teaching, instruction, and rebuke. And so this morning, we're going to look here as he's winding down at this letter, these five imperatives. He gives five commands that the Holy Spirit had him write down, and, and so um, nothing fancy. We're just going to work through these verses, and we're going to see uh, what they mean and how we can take and apply these truths to our lives today. First thing he says, be watchful. Be watchful. In other words, don't ignore what is going on. This is like a reference to being like a watchman, a sentry who is on duty at the city gate, and he's on the wall. And he's, staying, he's supposed to stay awake, stay alert, constantly looking, scanning the area to make sure that, that there is safety and that the enemy is not sneaking in. This means that we are to be awake, to be aware as, as, as opposed to being asleep. And one of the problems is that oftentimes we are asleep. We're asleep. We're not aware of what's going on. We've allowed other things to, to get our attention and to busy us and to tire us. And so we fall asleep. We, we get busy spiritually and we get tired and we get worn out. And we must be aware there is a spiritual battle that is on the go. And the enemy will stop at nothing but to see you discouraged, filled with disunity and, and dysfunction and, and, and discouragement or even depression in, in our lives. And we need to be aware of this reality and, 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 and that the enemy is real and, and we have to be watchful in this. 1 Peter 5.8, Peter writes, be sober-minded. Again, he says, be watchful. And he gives some more detail here. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around, I love this word, like a lion. He's not a lion. He might have a roar. He doesn't have any teeth. He's just pretending the ultimate power is with our God. 
But he prowls around like, underline that in your Bible, encourage you, just remember that, like a lion, like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. The battle is real, folks. Don't forget it. We are to be sober-minded. We are to be watchful. This week, I was part of a video called Love, Love Technology. Technology is terrible in many ways, but technology is also beautiful in, in, in other ways. And, and uh, I was able to join in in a video call of, with five other Harvest Senior Pastors and, and uh, just on a monthly basis, just committing to spend time together, to take time together. And it's from across our land. It's so cool to be able to join in like that and, and, uh, and, and to n not even talk much. It's to pray. It's to pray for and with one another. And folks, I have to tell you, after talking to these five pastors, the battle is on. The battle is real. Bizarre struggles and issues going on within the life of their church or even with their families. There's some with some health issues. Uh, even a couple on the call, I won't tell, them, tell, tell you who it was. They were even saying, like, they've been questioning their calling. They've been questioning, should I even continue on? And these are pastors of growing, successful works that, that God is doing. And yet the enemy just pounds you down and just wants to destroy you and have you discouraged and and and. and and what an encouragement to join together with these men. I know I was so encouraged afterwards by spending time with these individuals. A few weeks ago when I was leaving the house at 3.30 in the morning um, to head off to Dallas to go with Thomas Bankowski and join together with some other Harvest Senior pastors and, and leaders from, from churches uh, from around the world really to talk about future developments and, and ongoing things that are going on with, with Harvest Bible Fellowship and different things like that. And, and as Charlotte kissed me out the door, and she says, you need to go. You just need to go there, and I trust that God will work in your life. Because you get discouraged. Do you get discouraged at times with what's going on in life? And we need one another. We need to know the battle is on. Expect opposition. Expect discouragement. Expect attacks that will come in various forms. And we need to understand this, though. We need to understand the battle is real. We need to understand and know our weaknesses. And we need to have those defenses built into our lives. We need other people in our lives. You cannot go through the Christian life. You cannot go through the battles and through the things that are coming. And especially when you de declare and decide you want to live for God, you can't do it on your own. You need others standing, walking with you. I need and you need. I'm just going to talk to, about myself and the men right now. Men, you and I need other godly men in our lives. Those who will challenge us. Those who will love us. Those who will stand with us. Keep us accountable. And in certain seasons, carry us. I need that. And men, you need that. And it's not fair to dump that all on your wife and say, I have my wife, I pray with her and she's with me. No, you need other men in your life. We need to be involved in the lives of one another. Women, you need the same in your life. And that's why our group time and other opportunities that you have to gather Men with men, women with women, to be able to stand together, pray together, share the word together, make it a priority. How do we, I mean, we're getting ourselves so tired and beat up and we're not tied into one of the great resources of the word of God and God's people 
that he, he calls us to be a part of. And we come up with excuses and reasons. Folks, I cannot think in light of eternity, there's no better. There's no excuses that hold water to us to avoid community and being together in the family of God. That's where, as I said, group time and, and, and getting together in small groups, especially, you might say, well, I have social media and I have, you know, some chat groups that I can, you know, walk with one another. No, you need face-to-face, eye-to-eye. You need that. The other is good, but we need one another. And you know what? You might say, no, I, I, I'm doing okay. Then we need you to show us how you are doing it so well and how you are getting through unscathed, which you're not, because none of us are, because we're weak, we're prideful, we're blind oftentimes to our own stuff. And so we're to be watchful. And through the New Testament, we see this word, we see this phrase, be watchful. And not only is this used in, 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 in the, the sense of, or in, in the wording of moral vigilance as we've described here, but this is also to remember to be watchful for the return of Christ. This world is not our home. Let's quit pretending and striving and living like this is it, because it's not. Things can be destroyed. Just last night, social media after I saw the score of the Oilers game, and I thought, well, I'm not going to pay any attention to that. I thought I'd get some good news off Facebook. Didn't find much there either. <laughs> Sadly, a guy I went to high school with, um, just to follow it, have been friends with him on Facebook, a few little messages every once in a while back and forth. I do not believe knows the Lord. Just recently, he's my age, but he just got married a few years ago, has a two, three-year-old son, as cute as a button that he posts all kinds of pictures on on Facebook. He was going with some friends from California where he lives to Arizona on a motorcycle trip and he died on that trip. And, and he put a caption on one of his last captions is like the best day ever. And honestly, unless something changed and something that he never posted on social media was a part of his life, that, this, that was not his best day. It was his last day. And folks... So oftentimes, we just, we have no urgency when it comes to heaven. We, we, we're stacking the, the cards for life here. And one day, one day the victory will be won. One day, all of the wrongs will be righted. In one day, forever and ever, you and I have the possibility and the opportunity and the blessed hope if we're in Christ to experience the glory and the majesty and the power and the victory of God and how we must be watchful. Not only moral vigilance and, and, and watchful for the enemy, but also watchful living in with a sense of urgency of Christ's return. Second of all, we see that we are to stand firm in the faith. Write down, stand firm in the faith. Don't give up. And don't give in. Now, stand firm in the faith means here the gospel. It, it's talking about standing firm in the word of God. Don't start putting question marks or dot, dot, dot where God has put one dot, where what God has put a period. One of Satan's greatest lies, and it started in Genesis 3. Write it down. The, his greatest lie, and it continues on in, from Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Did God really say did God really say that? He really didn't say that to you, the serpent told 
Adam and Eve? He didn't really say that. 1 Timothy 4.16 says we're to watch our lives and our doctrine closely. We can't get sidetracked. We can't get off course in this. Just this past week, I, or a couple weeks ago, I read an article by Bart Campolo, and some of you might say, hey, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, he's the son of Tony Campolo, who um, many of you would have known and, and are aware of, of his father, who was on speaking circuits years ago at missions activities and, and uh, mission festivals and youth events, and, and, uh, and, and yet he has really shifted into some very liberal um, theology. And, um, and even Bart or uh, Tony in 2015 um, came out with a declaration statement that he changed his view on, on marriage and homosexuality and, and is part of um, that whole um, liberal agenda, um, even within the life of the church. And his son watched his father move off, of co- move off course along with, their mother, with, with his mother, Tony's wife. And, and Bart, the son, um, the words that, that are used to describe his journey is that he deconverted out of Christianity. And today he is a, a humanist chaplain in California at a university. No longer believes in God. And he said in this article by a Christian um, magazine, he, he said in this, he said, it all started for him, and yes, he watched what went on with his parents, but he started to question the word of God. He had unanswered prayer. He, had, he saw things in the world in, re, in regards to the poor and to the needy, and, and he started to question God's sovereignty and God's control and the love of God. And, and, and then he said it became a slide into, well, then Scripture cannot be true, and, and, and started to see no longer held to the inerrancy of Scripture, and, and then started to, to toss hell out the door and, and embrace universalism and, and the definition of marriage. Of course, that all changed, and it's a slow, slow slide that, that, that he said, and, and he said, the moment that you start that slippery slide, that's when it's on, and, and, and it continues on, and it's hard to stop that. We need to be examining our lives and our doctrine closely. Who are the influences? What is influencing our lives? Is it starting to question elements of God's word and the doctrines that have stood for centuries and now all of a sudden with new energy and with a new passion and a new vision are being revised? We have to be looking at what we believe. We have to look at what we're hearing, what people are saying. Does it line up with God's word? A number of years ago in my own life, I was in a state of kind of hurt and confusion and just kind of uh, about the state of the church in Canada and, and even my role and, and, and what God would, would possibly ever have for me. And, and there was an incredibly loving, encouraging in many ways group of men that sought me out and, and I would meet weekly with them. But after a little while, I had to stop. After about a year of meeting with them, I, I had to stop because I found their, their criticism and cynicism towards the church and, and even to a lot of the Paul, Paul's writings in the word of God was very alarming. I even brought a, a, another person along with me into the group to kind of stand with me and, and, and then I bailed and then shortly after he bailed, he says, I, I, I can't be a part of that. It's just, it's not healthy. And for me in that season of my life, allowing those voices to, to influence me any further would not have been good. 
because these were, were questioning voices. And it's okay to question, but you have to continue to keep landing back at the word of God. Even at times when it's, this is where faith and trust that God's word is sure, that his ways are true, that his ways are right. As, as we read in the, in the prayer in Psalm 27, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage and wait, and God will show himself faithful. In many ways, their motivations were good, but their trajectory was really, really off and really bad. And it's in these difficult and confusing seasons in life that are sure to come. The difficult, confusing, God, where are you? How can this happen? They will come in our life. Folks, we must stand firm in the faith, in the word of God, not doubting his promises, but clinging to them, even if it's just by a nose hair. Whatever it is, we got to cling to it, to his word. Not doubting his sovereignty, his love, his goodness, but waiting for him to show himself glorious in our lives, in our situations. And there will be seasons and events that will come that will rock your world, will rock our faith and make us wonder, God, is what is going on? But that's where we stand firm. We're to be watchful. Don't ignore what's going on. We need to stand firm. Don't give up and don't give in. Don't run from the word of God. Run towards the word of God. And it's, under, it's in these times when we can't understand God's ways, we must understand his heart, that his heart is one of love for us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And that he can and he will work all things together for our good. And one day, one day we will see that working as we hold on with him. And today there is such a movement it would seem within which we would one time it say good churches or strong churches. There's a movement away to downplay or outright rightly deny the importance of the credibility of the authority of God's word. Is it culturally relative? Is it, is it, is it really relevant anymore in, in, in where we're at today? Folks, we do not deny the word of God as being the word of God for us. We do not deny the virgin birth because it's true. We don't deny the sinless life of Christ because it's true. We don't deny his deity because it's true. We do not deny what the Bible considers right and wrong. We don't deny those things because it's true. God's word is true. We don't cave in on the hot buttons of our day, whether that be abortion or the definition of marriage or doctor-assisted death. Even if there's compelling and emotional stories, we hold on to the word of God, whether it's something like polyamory that is going on in our world and so on. No, we stand firm. We stand firm in the faith and the truth of God's word. And then thirdly, he says, and act like man. I say, huh, what's he talking about here? What's he meaning here is grow up and be courageous. Now the ESV puts it as, and, and some other translations put it, act like men. Others will say, be strong, be of good courage. What Paul is referring to here in saying, act like men, you say, well, are women to act like men? Well, in the context here, he's not talking about the qualities that society often paints men to be today. He's calling us to be courageous, to be loving, Courageous, loving people. 
And let's face it, our society and our culture and our media, whether Hollywood and sitcoms or cartoons, often depict, depict men as jerks, as obnoxious, as imbeciles, as domineering or angry or an idiot or someone who messes everything up, who, who's, a, who's you know, depicted oftentimes as, as a four-year-old or a dog being smarter than the man. When he says act like men, he means a humble, dependent, dependent on God, a mature, courageous, self-controlled, strong in the power that God provides kind of life. A life that is reflecting We've been made in the glory and the image of God. Paul declares that earlier in the book, 1 Corinthians, and, and it's to be a life reflecting the glory and the love of God. He's talking about mature. Don't act like a child. We're to have a mature, a growing, maturing faith. See, a mature person moves and tends to be courageous. An immature person or a child tends to be fearful. A mature person has a growing sense of control and confidence in the Lord and not in themselves. In 1 Corinthians 14, 20, Paul says, don't be like children in your thinking. He says, go on, be mature, grow into maturity. Our maturity and our courage grows as we discipline ourselves in the study of God's word. The strongest, the key way that we are going to grow ourselves and, and to be strengthened in God's power, in his strength, and grow in courage and in maturities through the word of God. And that's more than just a casual devotion at the start or at the end of the day. It's not like popping your vitamins, you know, slug down my coffee and have my favorite little daily Bible verse to get me through. No, this is digging into the word of God. Getting to know the depths of, of his word, getting an understanding of, and, and the beauty and the importance of the doctrines the life of the church that is guided and has set us on a solid foundation that we can build on. In Hebrews chapter 5, the author is giving a warning about apostasy, about slipping away, about complacency, and, and about being carried away into false teaching. And, and I'm just going to read these verses in Hebrews 5, starting at verse 11. He says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull in your hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone yet to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil. How does this happen? It happens through the word of God, sharpening, being strengthened through the word of God. It means taking your homework from small groups, taking verses and, and, and this message and the verses that, that we highlight and, and these references, they're just not to fill, take some Harvest Kelowna ink from the pen and put it on your little journal paper. It is for you to take and write down and to read and to study, and to dig further in, do some word studies, to grow in God's word. You might say, I don't know how to grow in God's word. At, at, at the book table, there's, or at the Next Steps desk, there's, there's a very simple, short little book just to give some areas of, of guidance and some help in this area. And then fourthly, we're to be strong. He says, be strong in the Lord. Now, this is the only, as, as you look at this in the original language, 
that it was written, and we see here, this is the only passive verb in the text. This be strong isn't, be, isn't talking about being strong in ourselves. It's talking about being strengthened. You see, we can't strengthen ourselves. The strengthening comes from the outside. It comes from, the, uh, from God, fr from the Lord. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, be strong, not in ourselves. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Colossians 1.11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience and joy. See, in and of, our, in and of, of ourselves, we're weak. We, we're controlled by what our flesh wants, what our desires want. And usually what our flesh wants is what's in it for me. How's it going to make me look? How's it going to make me feel? And the Corinthian church, this is how they were they were gunning. This is how they were living. The Corinthian church, uh, one of the uh, ways to describe it was filled, it was filled with carnal Christians. And you say, what does that word carnal mean? Carnal basically means fleshly. They were filled with fleshly Christians, fleshly believers, people who were dominated by their own flesh. Kind of like, I see it, or I feel it, I want it, I get it, I do it. That's what it means to be governed by our flesh. Even if it means ignoring or having to explain away the word of God in some areas, kind of justifying ourselves and justifying how we can kind of skirt around the issue. Why? Because we're, we're carnal, because we're gratifying our flesh and, and, and uh, rather than honoring God. Simply, God simply becomes, can easily become to a carnal Christian, to a carnal believer, a means to an end. And that end is oftentimes pleasure or comfort or plans or goals. And we can become so distracted by the culture around us. God simply becomes just a genie in a bottle, just there to kind of, you know, just get us through certain times in our life. But true strength and power comes from abiding and walking in the name, in the word of God, in trusting, in worshiping, in serving, in loving him, in living for him, in being faithful to him. And faithful to his call upon our lives. This is a lifelong process. Those who are seniors, you keep on going. It's a lifelong. You've, you haven't figured it out. Teenagers, you're just beginning. Keep going. Don't give up. Middle-agers, get with it. Come on. The end is, you're not at the end. We, we need to continue to grow in, in being sharpened together with one another. And so we have this, be strong in the Lord strengthening ourselves in his power and his strength. And then fifthly, in all things, love. Let all that you do be done in love. What a powerful statement. Because the first four are pretty militant. You know, you have this, you know, as far as be watchful, stand firm, act like men, be strong in the Lord. And then this is the beautiful blanket which covers it all in all things love. And this one is so important. Because this balances off at times the abrasiveness or, or, or what uh, these others could mean or could become in our lives. And so here in First and Second Corinthians, we have these chapters, these 29 chapters of instruction and correction and, and at times a very solid rebuke that he gives. And, and Paul said in First Corinthians 4, he says, I'm not writing to shame you, but to admonish you. And then he calls them, my beloved sons. 
He loves them. He's doing this because he loves them and he cares. He's not wanting to shame and embarrass them. For them to grow and to be rebuked. And, and so, yes, he rebukes them, but he does it. And, and, and it's all done in love. And sometimes it may not sound like love, but you see the whole blanket of the 29 chapters is love. And see, in Paul's writing, and at times he's writing to shatter them out of their sinfulness, call them out of their terrible behavior, and strengthen them in their theology or, or, or to warn them and correct them in the areas of errant theology where they've gotten out of line and steers and encourages them towards righteous living and towards the truth of God's word and it's all done in love. Over the years, I've had many tough words spoken to me and sometimes they haven't felt very loving. In fact, at times I have given kickback and I've been upset and even have allowed, even at times a season of like, who do you think you are telling me that? And we don't, we don't want to be corrected or rebuked. And yet, when we allow God to do that work in our life and we are humble before God and at times even before others, um, we end up seeing, yeah, that was done out of love. Maybe they didn't do it the best that they could have or should have or they wish they would have or we wish they could have. But we need to have the truth spoken to us in love. And again, this happens best in community, in relationship. I love what one pastor wrote. He said, love keeps our firmness from becoming hardness. Isn't that good? Love keeps our firmness from becoming hardness and our strength from becoming domineering when we're putting a blanket of love over this. It keeps our right doctrine from becoming obstinate and our right living from becoming self or smug self-righteousness. It's all done in love. It's done in humility. Never pretending or possessing that we've arrived and we have it all figured out because none of us do. One of the things I love about being in the Harvest community and being even in this call on uh, earlier this week with these other pastors or just their willingness to admit, man, I struggle with pride. Keeps creeping in. I struggle with going in my own power, my own strength. And all five, all six of us on that call would easily relate to that because the sin creeps in, the pride, the arrogance. We need to stand firm having sound doctrine, but it all done in love. And this is a sacrificing in it for the long haul kind of love for one another. And this is what the world needs to see. As we love, as we care for, as we walk with one another, within the body of Christ, within authentic community with one another, the world takes notice of that. This is how the chaos in an insane world ends up being reversed and, and God starts to work in the life, as he works in the life of his church, as we embrace these truths, these, the, these five commands that we are given, these imperatives in, the, in God's word, be watchful, stand firm, act like men, be strong, and blanking it all in love, what is the end result of that? We end up seeing that people are growing, they are, are, are maturing, and we have a love and a compassion for the world around us, and we can speak the truth to those around us, and we have a growing passion for the lost people because we have a growing passion for the heart of God. If we were to allow this concept of, of love, let all be done in love, become a reality in our homes, in our workplaces, in our church, Watch out what God can do and how he can move in and through that. 
This is how the church of Jesus Christ moves forward and makes a difference. The love of Christ is a secret weapon in our lives and, and, and I don't have it in and of myself. I don't, I, I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. I'm self-seeking in and of myself. But this is the love of God that's strengthening and motivating. And that motivation comes from God who gave his son for us in the most self, selfless act of giving this world the gift to this world, his son, who then gave of himself for you and for I, dying on the cross for us. Folks, this is, this is what it means to be real, to be courageous, to, to, be, to be mature. It's living this life of love. And we can take these words, and I trust that we do, that we take these words here today seriously. That even we would look in our own lives and say, okay, what, what areas am I are there some areas where I'm not standing firm? I'm giving in. I have some influences that are influencing me in, in a wrong way, in a wrong pattern of thinking. And I need to, to take a time out or I need to get some help in that. Am I, am I ignoring what is going on around us? Are we aware? Are we taking stock of our own lives spiritually? Are we growing up into maturity? Are we becoming stronger and more courageous? Or are we just kind of slipping into the shadows and just allowing life to be lived around us instead of us taking the lead that God calls us to be, to be his love and to be an example to those in, in our lives. And so we need to confess those areas, maybe where we're compromising. Maybe it's areas of hidden sin or even areas of, of blatant sin and, and you're justifying it and it needs to stop. You need to confess and you need to repent of that. And instead of running from the Lord and from his word and from community, we need to run towards these things. And I trust that today there will be a determinant in your heart to say, yes, I need to run towards these things. I've been drifting. I've been kind of off in the shadows or I need to, to tie into these things in a greater way, whether it's in my own personal time with the Lord in community with others. And we must daily confess the pride that so moves in, thinking, I've got this, I can handle this on my own, rather than be in dependency upon the Lord, saying, I need you, oh, I need you. Oh, may we hate our sin, folks. May we hate our sin and the pride that shows up and, and, and ask God to, to fill us with his power and, and his strength in our lives. Let's pray together. Lord, um, We're so thankful for the people in our lives in the past who have been this example to us, who have been on guard, who have, in a, stead, in a sense, have protected the fort, have allowed God's word to have an impact in our lives, whether that's parents or grandparents or um, kids or youth workers and teachers and family members in our lives and brothers and sisters in Christ, we thank you for those who have stood firm. And God, it is up to us to embrace these words. This, these just aren't words for it, certain individuals. The, these commands are for each one of us that we would be standing firm, we would be watchful, we would be growing stronger in the Lord. In these areas where we're allowing to Slide, oh Lord, I pray we would confess that before you and determine in our heart that we would serve you wholeheartedly in these areas. 
Lord, I pray that today you would encourage the brokenhearted, convict the hard-hearted, and bless those whose hearts are yours and are yearning for just more and more of you in humility. And Lord, I believe so much that these truths, these words spoken here today can have a profound effect in the groups that we're a part of within the life of this church and our families in this city and can hasten your return and for us to, to know that you have called us and you have commissioned us to be a part of your great kingdom work. And yes, it's pretty dark and pretty bleak out there and we see that there are uh, many struggles and, and there are Christians being persecuted around the world. Oh, would they be be knowing that we would be praying for them and that we would join them in the work that you've called us to, to be faithful here as they are being faithful there. And God, would you do that mighty work in seeing the lost people saved, saved people matured, and then multiplied to go out and to continue on this work of evangelism and planting churches and doing the work that your word is so clear that we are to be a part of. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be part of a fellowship like Harvest that that is, is simple and clear and urgent in its message. And I pray that we would take these truths and we would live them and proclaim them. And would your name be glorified in all of this. And in the end, we're thankful that we have you, that in all things you are with us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together. We sing this song as a prayer and as a declaration.